Faith Nursing Podcast. I'm Dr. Joanna Smith, a lecturer in children's nursing at the University of Leeds, and I'm also one of the evidence-based nursing associate editors. So in this podcast, it's a great pleasure to welcome uh, Dr. Mitchie, who will be discussing a commentary he undertook for the journal, which was a meta-analysis that compared no or short-term duration breastfeeding with six months or more and childhood leukemia. So first of all, I wonder, um, Dr. Mitchie, if you could just introduce yourself to our listeners. Yes, certainly. Thank you. Afternoon. I'm, my name is Colin Mitchie. I'm a consultant paediatrician. I've worked as uh, a nutritionist for many years um, it, within pediatrics, it's one of my specialist interests, and um, this started perhaps back in Jamaica in, in the 1980s, 1990s, when I worked with malnourished children. But over the years, I've begun to learn quite a lot about breastfeeding research, and I've been helping with a number of breastfeeding projects in the last 10 years of my career. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we really do appreciate your expertise in this uh, important area. So breastfeeding and infant nutrition has been a significant part of your career. So I wonder if you can just tell us what it was that particularly drew you to become interested in this topic. The original problem that struck me was the fact that breastfeeding has a lot of immunological effects and that is of some importance to children. I'm sure, as everyone knows, and your the folks listening to this, that breastfeeding certainly protects children against diarrhea, uh, pneumonia, and ear infections, and the evidence for that is very powerful. But the way that breastfeeding works in those particular problems is of interest, or was of interest to me, and so I started working originally with those sorts of factors in breast milk that protected the children. Over the years, I've become more interested in other aspects of breastfeeding, uh, including this uh, protection or protective effect against leukemias. Yeah, I think you're right. There's been a lot about breast um, feeding and its importance, but the actual way mechanisms work haven't always been as clear, and links to conditions is important. So you very kindly reviewed a study for us, um, and I wonder if you could just start by highlighting what you think the strengths of the study that Dr. A.M.T. and her colleagues undertook were. Well, this is a rather um, interesting study in that essentially what it does is look at a very large number of other studies to find out what the um, protective effect of breastfeeding is against childhood leukemia. And the reason this is a strong study is that it takes 18 studies and, and puts them together and analyzes the data from all of those studies. And what it then does is compare the effects of breastfeeding for short periods and long periods on the rates of leukemia in the children within those various 18 studies. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, these type of studies are vastly important, particularly when um, clinicians are short of time and they need that summary of the research that's been done. But obviously, these types of studies also have limitations. So what do you think were the limitations of this study? Well, I think before it's before talking about limitations, it's worth talking about the finding because the finding was that breastfeeding for more than six months reduces the risk of developing leukemia by 19%. Now, that's a really significant finding, um, however you look at it, and requires a lot of explanation. So, stepping back to your question, what were the limitations? Well, the limitations of all meta-analysis must inevitably be the nature of the studies that were put together in the first place. But 
the advantage this particular group have is that they this well this sort of work's been done before hasn't it but over the years larger and larger studies relating to breastfeeding and leukemia have become possible and so this is the first group to put together the more recent and larger studies um, in which we are fairly sure that the data is of high quality certainly in the sort of 90s 80s and 90s we all had a problem with breastfeeding work in that folks didn't necessarily describe whether breastfeeding was exclusive or not. Um, in this particular study, they've managed to collect studies together in which these slightly finer distinctions about how much, breastfe how much breastfeeding went on it has been collected and calibrated. Can you just remind people that haven't necessarily read the original article uh, how recent the studies were? Because I think you're right, the quality of studies have dramatically improved over recent years, and these were more recent studies that were reviewed. Yes. So essentially all of these date from, the, the, I think the late 1980s was the first study they've collected and they come right up to the present day. So, and the, the, the oldest study was in fact quite a small one. So yes, it comes up and includes more recent work yeah. from, from a wide range of sort of international bases as well. Yeah, I think that's really important because study designs have dramatically improved in the way people collect data. And as you said, the specific um, timeframes uh, really important, particularly in areas such as breastfeeding. You've mentioned one of the key findings, and it was really significant that 90, the 90% significance of the findings. But what do you think overall was the important key findings of the study in addition? Well, it's interesting because this study seems to suggest something that's been talked about before and, and commented and has been a finding in other studies previously, which is that, that breastfeeding for longer is more effective than breastfeeding for shorter periods of time. In other words, there's a sort of dose effect for the length of time during which breastfeeding takes place. That's excessively interesting for, for those who like to look at mechanisms, people like me, because it suggests there is something in every feed that is going to contribute to something uh, that benefits a child's health. But in this respect, it's a sort of interesting um, benefit because it's protecting against the malignancy. Yeah, I think that's really um, key here, isn't it? And I think what's really interesting about this study is those clear links with a preventative effect on a significant condition, which makes it quite a powerful study, doesn't it, really? Yes, and it begs the question of how a dose effect matches what most people who work with oncology think of as a step effect. In other words, you either have cancer or you don't. Yeah. Um, but here we have a, a treatment, breastfeeding, or a preventative treatment, which is actually working more powerfully when you use it for longer. So that how, how the, the mechanisms are very interesting and, and very tempting to speculate about. Mm. Yeah. So if you had to speculate then, what would you speculate? <laughs> Oh, that's that's really yes. Well, I think the most interesting. Well, no, no, it is a, it's a it's a very interesting point, and I think the speculations revolve around what we know about cancer. And if you allow me, I'll divert a bit. But yes. we we know that cancers in children are very very strongly genetically determined. So, yes. in other words, most children are born with a mutation that is going to get them. Uh, if, if they're going to get leukemia, for instance, the children who are going to have leukemia are almost always born with a mutation. So they have it in their umbilical cord blood. Fortunately, the majority of children with that mutation do not go on to get leukemia. However, some of them do. And so what, 
we have invoked over the years is something called a second hit. Something else happens in that child yeah. in the first few years of life that then makes them develop leukemia. And that's something we have always thought of as infections because infections seem to be at the bottom of this. And so if you get an infection with a certain bunch of viruses or one particular virus, we don't actually know, but something like that seems to precipitate leukemia. Now, that matches what we think might be happening with breastfeeding because breastfeeding certainly protects you against infection. And we have a whole set of mechanisms, a whole, whole portfolio, if you like, of different ways in which breast milk can protect mm. children against infections. So what one suspects is happening is that more breast milk protects you more effectively against infection mm. and therefore protects you against leukemia. That's mm. the sort of hypothesis that I favor. I think it really links some quite complex areas breastfeeding with a condition. Yes. Yeah, a really fascinating study. If you think about this study, what most people working in practice are interested in is how can they use and what are the implications of this study to practice? Well, there's two bits to that. First of all, is the, the, the obvious one, which is to do everything possible to improve breastfeeding rates mm. because the breastfeeding rates in the United Kingdom are the lowest in Europe mm. um, and are getting lower every successive year. And we are seeing lots of lots of problems with that in different mm. ways. But certainly, if we could improve breastfeeding rates, um, we would reduce the risks of leukemia and the rates of leukemia in British children. So that's the first and most obvious thing. The second thing is it would be really very important to work hard on the mechanisms because yeah. if one could determine what it is in breast milk that is preventing this um, second hit that precipitates leukemia, if one could put it in a bottle, that would be fantastic because mm. clearly not all mothers can breastfeed. Um, although I would very much like to improve breastfeeding rates, mm. there are groups of mums who cannot, for various mm. reasons, breastfeed their children. And we would dearly like to have some factor isolated from milk or perhaps made synthetically that we could emulate the effects with and, and, and give to children to reduce rates of leukemia. Yeah, I think there's two really key issues there. There's the breastfeeding that we, we know we need to do more about, but then there's the links to leukemia. I suppose it leads nicely on to just rounding up this podcast what do you think is needed in terms of future research studies and the way forward? Well, to be honest, the figures are quite um, clear on this, and that is that we need to focus on the first of my two options, i.e. Yeah. improving breastfeeding, yeah. because work done by UNICEF in this country shows that with a fairly small amount of effort, we could really significantly improve breastfeeding rates if we followed UNICEF's guidance in this field. And UNICEF are the experts. Uh, the Royal College of Pediatrics and the Royal College of Midwives, I think we jointly recognize the, the uh, expertise in that group of um, folk who've developed um, their, their guidelines across the planet. And they need to be followed. Because mm. if we improve breastfeeding rates, we'd not only reduce leukemia rates, we'd reduce infection rates, we'd reduce admissions to hospital, we'd improve a lot of factors to do with children's health that um, at present we, we can't really do without that. So I think there's no doubt that the number one message is that we need to improve uh, breastfeeding rates in the UK. Yeah. yeah, I think that is the key message, isn't it, from the research that's been done today. Yes. So that comes to the end of the podcast. So just would like to say thank you very much for your insights 
and I hope that all our listeners will enjoy the podcast as much as I have. Not at all. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. There's a wealth of information on the evidence-based nursing website. If you want further information about this podcast or our other activities, please do access the website and our social media activities. So thank you and I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast.